0: this is the breakfast wrap with john moore
1: Good morning, it's John Moore, and this is the breakfast wrap for Monday, June 26th. The weather forecast for today looks like it's going to be cloudy this morning, giving way to a mixture of sun and cloud, but still a chance of some showers this afternoon, the high 26 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, it's Election Day in Toronto. Number two, celebration and protest erupt during Canada's largest pride parade in Toronto. Number three, the Russia revolt ends, but big questions about the future of Vladimir Putin and the war in Ukraine. Number four, Montreal now has the poorest air quality in the world as wildfires continue. And number five, Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York, is recovering after a breast cancer operation.
2: The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.07
1: on a Monday morning, the little rumble of uh, thunder moving across southern Ontario over the last couple of hours, and still a possibility of another thunderstorm, but, um, you know, it's always interesting when there's there's something going to be fundamentally dramatic about a thunderstorm, and when it rolls across the city in the late night hours and early morning hours following a grand celebration, and on the morning where... We are, one hopes anyway, reporting to the polls and uh, electing a new mayor. There is something uh, portentous potentially about it. Today is election day, and I don't have a heck of a lot to offer because, as you know, I don't endorse. I don't recommend. Um, I'm a big believer in you making up your own mind. And, you know, whenever people say, oh, all the candidates are the same. No, they're not. They're all crooks. No, they're not. Uh, We've got some, I think, very qualified people Running to be the mayor of Toronto. And I include on that list Molly the dog because I think Molly would be uh, sensational. But no, um, you have been offered very divergent policies, very divergent leadership styles. Um, you cannot say that you have not been offered a menu when there are there were 102. I think four of them have dropped out, and, um, perhaps not officially, and all of their names are still on the ballot. So there will be 102. Somebody compared the ballot to a cafeteria tray said so it's absolutely enormous and we got to the point where candidates are naming the number so that you don't have to run through the whole list and go look about what was alphabetical what was that okay that per- okay good got it um there are polls out this morning but it's not only our policy but it's also the law you can't report on polls on election day and that's fine you know if like, Make up your mind, who would you like to be the mayor of Toronto instead of this, you know, Cartesian math that people are doing? Well, you know, I like this person, but I'm going to vote there and then it puts my weight here and then I could beat the other. Just, Just choose the candidate that you want. Yesterday and this weekend were the closing pitches of the various candidates including, to the best of my knowledge, all of the top seven that we've talked about a great deal. We spoke with all of them, not all of them, actually. Olivia Chow did not commit a studio to declare that she was running, but she did close things up on Friday by being the last candidate to appear on our show. To the best of my knowledge, all of the top seven candidates appeared somewhere in the Pride Parade yesterday. And now they wake up this morning and by the time they go to bed, one of them is going to be the mayor.
0: Surprise! In a sea of people and rainbows, most mayoral candidates showed their pride for last-minute votes. Olivia, all the the front-runner since the start of the campaign, Olivia Chow, hasn't said how much she may raise property taxes, and yet she remains in the lead. My message... Of coming together to build a city that's more affordable caring and safer for everyone where everyone belongs just like today at Pride. After Toronto saw Rob Ford and John Tory at the helm if Chow wins it will be the first time in over a decade a left-leaning progressive has taken power in the city's top job. How are you? Anna Bailao has pitched herself as the one to work with others and the endorsement by Tory seems to have given her her a boost but is it too late
3: it's the momentum growing and it's the hard work of the team as well but there's no question that having mayors that have done the job i think residents feel it's really important this race is not over it is far from being over
0: premier doug ford's pick is former police chief mark saunders who has vowed to invest in police and freeze taxes in north york today saying there are more people who want to stop chow than support her and it's time for vote splitting to stop
3: These are good people who love their communities, and these are just amazing people overall. But Brad, Mitzi, and Anthony are not going to be able to beat Olivia Chow. I can.
0: No candidates have openly discussed joining forces in recent days. Fury, who made earlier headlines in the campaign for speaking out against city-funded safe drug consumption kits, says he too feels momentum. I have a lot of respect for Mark Saunders. I mean, we do see in those polling numbers that, that I think a lot of centre-right voters are gravitating towards me because they see me as, as, as the authentic, passionate voice for these issues. Bradford, Hunter and Matlow haven't stopped campaigning.
1: Torontonians know though that not only do I have the most realistic plan to fix this city and make it work for people, but I also will take a stand for Toronto when Doug Ford bullies our city.
0: I know that you know that this city needs change. And that is what I represent. Knowing the race isn't over until it's over.
1: And that's uh, Beth Macdonnell reporting on the final day of campaigning. Candidates will make appearances today, but, you know, it's mostly that uh, performative nonsense where they make a big deal out of introducing their ballot into the machine. Not quite as, what would one say, redolent with meaning as the old paper ballot that you would uh, then fold and put into a box. But listen, the polls open at 10 this morning. They will close at 8 o'clock tonight. There'll probably be various hiccups at one point or another. I don't think there's going to be a lot of shenanigans. Um, Probably some polls, if there are still lineups, will end up extending their hours. But the computers will have a data dump shortly after 8 o'clock. And we will have all of the coverage for you right here on News Talk 1010. Jim Richards is anchoring that. Shelley Carroll, longtime friend of News Talk 1010 and this show, city councilor, former budget chief, is going to be in on the coverage as well to provide some perspective. And Mark Toey, who knows a thing or two about a municipal election, having been the guy who was instrumental in electing Rob Ford, mayor of Toronto, and then serving as his chief of staff. Until in that uh, unfortunate and unceremonious um, ritual, uh, was handed a box with a house plant in it and told to go to his car. And that was uh, his last day as uh, chief of staff to Rob Ford. So it's five fourteen, and you would have heard an awful lot of the background noise in some of those clips of pride because most of the major candidates were at pride and we'll put a fine cap on pride celebrations in just a moment but what a glorious day the weather was beautiful the crowds were enormous and the parade was a heck of a lot of fun Um, in just a moment going to check on traffic and uh, get you where you're going And then this Kleisto Wagon of Fun is going to continue all morning. Well, not all morning, actually. I'm going to get out of here at 9, but that's okay. To the best of my knowledge, and Ben, who's producing the show today, is Jerry Agar back today? Yes. All right. We'll look forward to that. So I know that um, Mark Toohey was insisting he would come back rested and mellow. I imagine he's probably going to be rested.
0: You're listening listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John John Moore.
1: Yeah, and a few things in the five things you need to know that probably need a little bit of enhancement. One of them being that, yes, Sarah Ferguson has undergone surgery. We don't know uh, precisely what has happened, but she's resting back at home and uh, she was getting a a mammogram. They detected an anomaly. They went ahead with surgery. And as mentioned, uh, 63-year-old Duchess of York now recovering at home. And it's all too familiar a story for so many women Um, Certainly, some of the women in broadcasting I've known over the years have been very public in their battles, successful. Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway jointly host a podcast called Women of Ill Repute. And when they met, they suddenly realized they had so many things in common, including the fact that they were both breast cancer survivors. Okay, so not a lot to recap, I guess, except to sort of revel in what a magnificent day it was yesterday. The, the crowds were enormous. I always, I was telling you on Friday that my parade experience at Pride is always an oddball and somewhat unique experience because a friend of mine has a house on Park Row. And Park Row is the street that you take up from Rosedale Valley Road in order to get to Bloor. And half the parade is marshaled on Rosedale Valley Road and goes up Park Row. And the other half of the parade is marshaled on uh, Bloor Street. And then they zipper it together. So I always see precisely half of the parade. And then someone will say, you know, you should have seen such and such a thing. So, you know, Or there was this great float. or di- And no, I that was not in the half of the parade that I got to see. Neither were all the candidates uh, for mayor, most of whom it would seem did make appearances at one time or another during Pride celebrations and also in the parade itself. And I'm guessing probably all got super soaked. Although I saw a photograph of Brad Bradford and he brought his own super super soaker. So I guess he was giving as good as he could take. Um, Nick, throw in our parade coverage from CTV. And, um, you know, as the morning show continues and we reach escape velocity, I imagine we'll spend less time talking about parade. Uh, pride parade, but it was it was a glitzy, exciting, exuberant day in the life of our city.
3: No rain preceded this rainbow; just sunny skies, joyful color, and joyous smiles as people throng the streets of Toronto for Canada's largest Pride Parade. Beautiful. They're my first Pride. I'm from Barbados. It's amazing.
1: It's the best part of the year. It's amazing to do drag here.
3: 40,000 marchers put on a vibrant show as well as a show of solidarity. To support
1: uh, kids like Isabel, my granddaughter, and all the other families and kids,
3: and to support uh, our 2SLGBTQ+. Uh, plus. You know, communities here in the
0: city, it's very important that we show respect and love for each other.
3: The parade, an opportunity for families and friends to show support for loved ones. We finally get to celebrate who I am, I guess, so this is awesome. We just want our son to know how loved he is and supported he is. This particularly important in a year where Pride Toronto says hate crimes against LGBTQ2S plus people have gone up 40% in Ontario. Trans kids, queer kids, gay kids, they are being attacked. They're on the front lines of all of this. And they don't get to make any decisions here. So we just want to be here. In fact, Pride Toronto says growing threats and attacks prompted them to step up security. Federal funding helping with policing and insurance budgets that more than doubled.
0: With the rise of 2SLGBTQIA plus hate, we need to fight back with joy and love and representation.
3: More than a million people line sidewalks to share in the celebration.
0: It just fills my heart with so much love and joy. Happy <laughs>
3: Pride. Phil and Richard have been attending the parade since 1988 and describe the event as both a festive occasion and a reminder.
1: Any time you win rights, you can lose rights. So I think it's good that we remember where we've come from because you never know when we're going to go back. So we always have to fight for what we have.
3: The parade just one day of the year, but for some, it means everything—a day to be celebrated for just being yourself.
1: That's Janice Golding reporting for CTV, and it seemed to have uh, seems to have gone off without a hitch. There were a couple of counter protesters, but who really cares? And to those of you who you know endeavored to find the grotty old naked guys, yes, there were about a half dozen. Congratulations, you found them big deal. Um, One of the other things that happened this weekend, which was a lot less uh, frothy and exuberant, was the rebellion in Russia. We're going to spend a little bit of time on that, talking to a few experts on the show this morning to understand what happened. But the fascinating thing is this. Well, I mean, there's a million fascinating things about it. One of them being that it's reminiscent for many people, if you're familiar with Russian history, when you get involved in a war and it doesn't go well and you have bad autocratic leadership, it usually leads to a rebellion. That's what happened in 1917 and the counter revolution in 1918. And the czar, who was absolutely unqualified to either run a country or run a war, uh, the czar was running World War I and the Russians got sick to death of it and they turned on the czar, ultimately murdered the czar and his entire family. And Vladimir Putin... You know, like I said earlier in the uh, half hour after round found out Vladimir Putin's been running this foolhardy, stupid, fatal adventure in Ukraine. The Ukrainians have fought back. We're now into year two of this conflict. It is not going Russia's way. And the guy he hired to do the dirty work turned on him. Now that didn't last very long, but Vladimir Putin had to flee the capital. And now, what happens when the guy who runs Wagner Group goes to Belarus and is no longer running the war in Ukraine? That has to be of some encouragement to Ukrainians who are fighting for the very existence of their country.
0: Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: Happy Monday, fairly tumultuous, adventurous weekend. We had all kinds of uh, pride observances, and that's a wrap. I guess it's a bit of a lunch bag let down when it's all over and you get back to everything on a Monday because it was just a, an extraordinary weekend for our city. And Ben Harrison, you were at an event in Nathan Phillips Square on Saturday night? That I was, yep. And that, what was that, a big drag show? It was a huge drag show uh, were with Were you winners? being groomed? No. No. no, not at all. I was okay. in the crowd, and uh, winners of all sorts of reality shows were there. Okay. Well, lots and lots of things happening right through, I mean, the whole week, I guess, I mean, it's Pride Month, but it kind of begins to wind up on, on Wednesday. And then every single day there is a parade and then there's memorial runs and candlelight vigils and parties and street parties. And now that that's all off the table, we move into election day. And today is the day that Toronto will choose a mayor. I'm getting all kinds of advice from people about what the lo- the rules actually are as concerns polls, and apparently you can discuss any poll that was reported prior to today, so you can't start the morning with a brand new poll. I don't care. I'm not going to do polls. Um, polls have been interesting snapshots. They've given us an impression of the field and who is the likely victor and the likely second place challenger, but... I also think that today what you need to do, first of all, I hope you're going to vote because one of the things that drives me crazy is the people who don't vote. And in the last election cycle, we can all appreciate, everybody knew John Tory was going to win. It was John Tory versus the bunch, and it was ridiculous. I mean, everybody pretended that Gil Penalosa was some kind of a vital challenger, and he ended up with 18% of the vote. John Tory ended up with two-thirds of the vote. And then out of nowhere, we get John Tory resigning in the month of February, and uh, we end up in this election where it's anybody's battle to win. I realize one particular candidate has been the front runner all along, but there also seems to have been a landscape change over the weekend, and I'm not going to get into that either, because just vote for the person and the policies that you support, because strategic voting is just going to get us into trouble. And it's going to lead to tears and very few people, very few voters, very few Torontonians are going to be happy. But, yeah, back to those who choose not to vote. There are always the people who will call you six months later on a call-in show and bellyache about the incumbent mayor. And then you say, well, did you No. They're all the same. They're all horrible. They're all terrible people. They're all crooks. And um, now, actually, you've, you've been offered a pretty impressive roster of candidates and also a very wide spectrum of policies. I mean, you've got people who are going to build the gardener, people who are going to tear it down, people who are going to raise your taxes, people who are going to hold them where they are, uh, people who say they're going to make the TTC better. Uh, people who say they're going to hire hundreds and hundreds of police officers. There are some very, very clear choices. So you've been offered the menu. It's like going to the Mandarin buffet. You know, there's enough range that I'm sure you're going to find the crab's legs. It's 540 and a rising number of wildfires in Quebec triggered warnings in Ontario and Quebec. Um, I don't think, it certainly didn't feel or smell or look like smoke was in the air yesterday in Toronto, but in Quebec, for example, at Mont Tremblant, which most of you are probably familiar with because it's a fantastic ski resort, um, there were 3,700 athletes who were about to do a triathlon and they called it off because they said that there was too much smoke in the air and it would be a health hazard. Uh, Apparently, also in Gatineau, they closed outdoor pools and declared beaches off limits to swimming. All of this because of these wildfires that continue. Environment Canada said the air quality index in eastern and northern Ontario, including Ottawa, North Bay and Sudbury, was above 10 on Sunday. Okay, Nick Marano, this is going to have to be one of these days something for totally useless information because... I don't understand why the index for air quality goes to 11. It is the most spinal tap thing I have ever seen. Uh, But yeah, the index goes to 10 and then it goes to 11. Anyway, um, so that index was above 10 on Sunday, which is, is considered to be very high risk. Gatineau, Montreal and Montreal suburbs got the same rating. And it is believed that these forest fires are going to, you know, continue to burn through the summer. There's a lot which are just sort of these ongoing smoldering things. And then there are the ones that are out of control. I was talking to a guy who's an expert on forests and forest fires a while ago. And it sounds kind of glib and cynical. But the fact of the matter is, eventually you run out of stuff to burn. And once that has happened... You know, forests regenerate and there's a much lower risk of uh, forest fire for the time being. So, you know, we can look forward to the part where we have burned enough forests that they, you know, it, they run out of fuel. And then we will know that uh, forest fire season probably for, you know, the next few years will not be as uh, big a deal. Why isn't it whenever something bad happens, everybody always says they knew it was going to happen? Like, there are features and multiple features that I'm reading uh, this morning and preparing for the show where people who have previously gone down to the Titanic on this uh, submersible say, Oh, I always knew that was going to happen. Really? You got into a submersible that you thought was going to implode. But it wasn't going to implode while you were on it. So, and then moving forward, you just decide one day it's going to implode and kill somebody else, but not me. Uh, apparently, and uh, Ben, you were the one who was telling me off the air that uh, the five who were killed a week ago Sunday are now being memorialized at the uh, two different Titanic memorials and museums. Okay, super. Um, seems a little odd. Yeah, and... Not going to make that big a fuss about it, but adventurers who spent enormous sums of money to visit the wreckage of a ship where 1,517 people died in 1912 end up in a maximum expression of hubris being killed, and now they're being memorialized as if they sort of are on a par with the Titanic victims. There's a think piece today that I'll definitely put on the agenda for the roundtable. Who should pay for that rescue effort? And I know that seems a little crass, but at the same time, let me pull that one. Well, you know what? We're going to have to uh, do that one later because we got to do traffic and then hook up with our friends at CP24, but one of the columns I'm looking at today goes back through the last 40 years of billionaire misadventures and how many times people had to be rescued until one of them died. Amongst other things we're talking about this morning, um, one of the royals being in somewhat of a surprise, diagnosed with cancer but under treatment, and Sarah Ferguson apparently is going to be okay. What an oddball relationship that is, because she and Prince Andrew got married, got divorced, but have continued ever since to live in the same house.
2: Okay, time to say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, it looks like we're all in blue this morning. I know, what's going on? <laughs> uh, but I hope you had a happy Pride weekend. I definitely did. Uh, good morning.
1: morning. Good morning. John, happy morning. Monday. Yes, all right, let's get right to it. It is election day. What are you going to be looking forward to in the next couple of hours? Oh gosh, I look forward to voting because I'm kind of a goof about that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I love voting on election day and voting in person and not mailing ballots or anything like that. But listen, we're going to know very shortly after polls close at 8 o'clock tonight, they open at 10, who the new mayor of Toronto is. And it's anyone's to call. I know that Olivia Chow has been the front runner, but it seemed there was a bit of a movement or a disturbance in the force over the weekend and some of the geometry may have changed.
2: Mm-hmm. And we saw uh, many of the mayoral candidates. Uh, were out, including Olivia Chow, Brad Bradford, Anna Bailo at Canada's largest pride parade held in the city (laughs) yesterday. And it was a massive one. The weather agreed. Overall, a very fun time.
1: Yeah, huge parade that went on for four plus hours. Mm -hmm. Apparently, a million people were taking the whole show in, and that capped off, as you said, the biggest Pride event in all of Canada, but it went on for days. Multiple parades, multiple parties, shows in Nathan Phillips Square, and the city, I thought, showed itself off very well. Mm -hmm. That was awesome, so great. Yeah, as Jen mentioned, the best weather ever, but you (laughs) mentioned uh, the disturbance in the force, the future of the war in Ukraine, What's it looking like now following this Russian revolt? That was crazy dramatic. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were watching Russia on the weekend wondering, is this the end of Vladimir Putin? He did flee the capital for a while. Mm. But the guy who heads up Wagner Group, which is a mercenary army that has been doing the dirty work in Ukraine on behalf of Vladimir Putin, decided to march on Russia itself. It came undone fairly quickly. But a lot of experts are saying clearly Vladimir Putin is much, much weakened by all of this. And then the question you have to ask yourself is, if Wagner Group is off the table, I know their troops were sent back into Ukraine. but with Without this leader in charge, Mm -hmm. how does that affect the future of the war in Ukraine?
2: Mm -hmm. Let's just all hope that it ends soon. Uh, It's been going on so long. Uh, And turning to this now, I never thought I'd hear the words come out of my mouth, but Montreal has the poorest air quality in the world due to wildfire smoke.
1: Yeah, we seem to be in the clear yesterday, but wildfire smoke is probably going to be a factor in a lot of cities in southern Canada for a good long time this summer. Montreal, worst air quality in the world. They actually, the index goes to 11, can't quite figure that out, but it was over 10. In Mont-Tremblant, which is 130 kilometers away from Montreal to the north, mm. they actually had to call off a triathlon event because the air quality was so bad. Eesh. That's no, yeah, it burns. It burns. Definitely burns. Okay, well, the Duchess of York recovering after undergoing an operation. I didn't even hear anything about this. Remember, the Royals are very tight lipped. Yeah, this Um, this being made public in the last few Mm. hours, but the Duchess of York was undergoing a customary mammogram and they discovered something. They're not saying precisely the nature of it, but they did perform surgery. She's resting at home. She is 63 years old. She's expected actually to issue a podcast at some point today to talk about this. So I guess we'll keep our ears to the internet for that.
2: Okay, well, let's wish her a fast recovery. News Talk 1010's John Moore. Have a great Monday and a good week. John, we'll chat with you tomorrow.
1: Thank you. All right, those are our friends over at uh, CP24. It's a segment, if you're not familiar with this particular juncture in the show. We used to do it 515, now we do it around 545, we hook up, we call it What Toronto's Talking About, and it's not always precisely the same thing as the five things you need to know, because there are things you need to know that you're not necessarily going to be talking about. Um, But, yeah, we like to hit on the things that we think people are going to be talking about. And certainly this being Election Day and then the outcome of that election, people are going to be talking about that today. And I am mindful, incidentally, that a lot of you listening don't actually live in Toronto or pay taxes in Toronto. And this election has possibly been a great big bore. So that's okay. Okay. I also have a feeling that we're going to choose a mayor today, and then we're going to kind of move on. I'm looking forward to everything tamping down for the summer. Now, I have heard from inside some of the campaigns that The successful candidates plan on being extremely active very, very quickly. But there's just sort of an aspect about summer where nothing ever really gets done. And nobody's particularly serious about anything either. But yeah, the new mayor will have to arrive, have to decide whether or not they're going to keep the staff. Almost to a person, Jennifer McKelvey, the deputy mayor, when she went to the mayor's office as the caretaker, uh, she kept pretty well, everybody who had been working for John Tory. But I would imagine other would-be mayors have their own ideas about who they want to be working for them. And so you got to appoint your staff, you have to appoint committees, you have to balance things out. Obviously, there's been a great rivalry, but I would imagine no matter who the victor is, they'll probably very quickly reach out to the sitting city councilors who ran for mayor. And, um, you know, try and consolidate their support. And uh, then we'll see where, you know, where this, I I don't know, not where the city is headed. I don't think this is exactly like turning a ship around. Um, To a great degree, it's all going to be a matter of a little here, a little there. Uh, Some of them are much more likely to hire a whole bunch of police officers, but generally, and, and then there's taxation. But I don't know necessarily that the character and direction of the city is going to change all that much. Chantelle Hebert, she seems to have a bee in her bonnet about Pierre Polyev. Now, I like Chantelle Hebert's analysis because I find that she's a pretty good student of Canadian political history and also an astute observer in real time of what's going on on Parliament Hill and in Canadian politics. But I'll leave it to our commentators, including, incidentally, Thomas Mulcair, normally we do it on Mulcair Monday, and he's here at 6.50 as part of a feature where Monday to Friday we have one of our experts at 6.50. But Thomas Mulcair, being a good Quebecer, has decided to take the summer off. So we thought, what are we going to do? And then Lisa Wright said, I could do it. And I thought, you're kidding. Really? Bring it on. Um, Lisa Raitt, former federal cabinet minister, who, again, I think is an astute student of Canadian politics, because she doesn't just approach it through the lens of a former conservative cabinet minister and say, here's why the Tories are right about everything, and here's why Justin Trudeau's wrong about everything. She has some very interesting analysis. So we'll see what she has to say at 650, but we'll also see what... Who's on patrol this morning? Is Scott Reed is going to be on the morning brief? Thank you very much. Um, So Scott Reed will be here at 620. This is kind of the second broadside that Chantelle Iber has taken to Pierre Paulyev. And it's not necessarily a broadside. I mean, it's damaging, I guess. But she's just offering some perspective on how she thinks he is failing to unite the conservative movement. And the Canadians are not all that warm to his constant nasty guy approach. And so in somewhat of an echo of a previous column, what she's pointing out is Justin Trudeau should be on the ropes. You know, Canadians get tired of any prime minister, but he's kind of exhausting. And yet he could easily defeat Pierre Polyev in the next election which suggests that Pierre Polyev's strategy is not quite working out for him. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon.
0: You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.